You're listening to the Sprues and Brews podcast, your weekly podcast looking at all things Warhammer. Hello and welcome to episode 189 of the Sprues and Brews podcast. My name is David. I'm joined once again by Matt. Hello. And Jay. Hello. The original team this week because sadly Andy is stuck in work, uh, unfortunately. But I'm, hopefully he can join us next week for some more hobby chat. So hang in there, Andy. I'm sure your shift is nearly over. Um, so on this week's show, um, it's no surprise. We're going to be talking a little bit more about the heresy. Um, so for our main segment this week, we're going to be chatting about how the, the new rules play out in a natural game. So that should be quite exciting to chat about. Um, we're also going to be keeping it heresy in our top three because Matt asked a question last week, which units we'd like to add to our heresy armies. So um, that's going to be what we're going to be chatting about later on. We've also had some community choices uh, sent in as well, which we'll read out. Uh, and of course, we've got all the latest news, which includes a, a, bit, a bit of a splash of an announcement today, um, which will be pretty exciting. I think that could take up most of the news segment, uh, potentially. Um, but before we get stuck into all of that, let's talk about what we've been doing in the hobby this week. Um, so I'm going to start us off this week. Um, we've been chatting a lot in our uh, sort of private chats that we have going on about Necromunda. We're hoping to have a few games in Necromunda soon, um, especially with sort of Ash Waste now out. And Matt, you've gorgeously painted up all the scenery ready for a game. Mm. Um, so it's really got me on the Orlock um, bandwagon. So I've done a tester model, which I'm fairly happy with um he, he turned out um is he on nice. twitter yet dave because he was really good he's not actually jay no I'll, I'll i'll put him on during the show um there's a few things i might change uh on there because I, I built this guy but he's not actually in my starting gang so he, he really is a tester model so there's a couple of things i might change um but generally speaking i'm i'm very happy um with how the scheme turned out um so i'm hoping to do the whole gang in the next week or so um, so we can get a game in with those. Yeah, I mean, um, the good thing with Necromunda is that, you know, a starting gang's got, what, between eight and ten people, really? I think I've got eight and a dog. <laughs> keeping <laughs> the dog. like that. I'm probably, I'm probably keeping the dog, Matt. <laughs> I, it might not be competitive, but I, I'm, I'm just, you know, I just want to have fun. And I, I want a, I want a dog in a starting well, you say, gang. You say, you say eight and a dog, you know, games in the Ash Waste, you've got vehicles as well. Any, any thoughts about in vehicles to the gang? Um, so, uh, again, against your advice, uh, I'm probably going to be adding a rock grinder purely because I haven't picked up the um, the quad bikes yet. But I, I will add those in the future uh, once I've picked them up and painted them. But I, I do have a rock grinder, which has been doing absolutely nothing since I painted it. It could it could be absolutely rubbish. Um, we don't know yet. But um, yeah, I'm hoping I can fit it in my gang and get to play with that. Um, aside from that, I've been doing a lot of dry brushing. So uh, Matt very kindly <laughs> dropped around some Dark Angels for me uh, from our from our box that we uh, we, we got to review. Um, so I've been dry brushing some uh, tactical marines with plasma. Well, they're not tactical marines, are they? The, the guys squad. Are, yeah, support squad with plasma guns, uh, a contemptor, a praetor. Um, so yeah, I've been enjoying doing that. I haven't quite finished Marduk yet, who I was painting last week, mainly because I could not find my retributor gold anywhere. So I've now picked up a part of that. 
to hopefully finish him off in the next couple of nights and post him finished on uh, on Twitter. Really happy with how he's turned out. And if the rest of my Dark Angels uh, look that cool, I'll be very, very pleased. He looks, he looks uh, really good. Have you, have you enjoyed painting more? I know, I know black's an intimidating colour to paint, isn't it? Yeah, no, I've really enjoyed it. It's, 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 it I, I would say I actually enjoyed painting that model more than I enjoyed painting my Orlock Tester model. Um, did you did you enjoy more than the way you did your um, uh, death, death, watch. Uh, death watch? Yeah, I probably did. Um, mainly because I mean, my death watch. For those who haven't listened to previous podcasts, I go from white to black. So basically, I just flood the model in black temple, which I do like because I do like how it goes into all the recesses and stuff, and I do like the overall finish. But it does add an extra layer to your painting, like extra time and stuff and sometimes i find with black temper especially on like pinpoint bits of the model um the black can chip away even when you cover it in storm shield um so use going from chaos black is a lot easier and then dry brushing so i think if i do any more de- well i will be doing more death watch i don't know i'll be torn i don't know if i carry on with my scheme because then they all look the same or if I'd switch to using Chaos Black. I'm not sure. Um, we'll have to wait and see when I move back to my Death Watch. Um, that's it, I think, for the for the hobby for me um, this this week, I think, gents. Uh, Jay, what have you been up to? Um, so this week, um, it was mainly a big um, effort to, to finish off the Imperial Fists. And I, I, I didn't quite complete that mission, but I almost got there. Um, so I finished off my Imperial Fist Contempt to Dreadnought. Um, I finished off my Imperial Fist Terminator squad um, with their Vigil Storm Shields. And I'm actually, I'm going to be painting up a second Imperial Fist Terminator squad, I think, um, when the Imperial Fist Huskar rules are re-released. So obviously mm. they, they had a version not so long ago on the Warhammer Community website. Um, I, I'm expecting there'll be a, a renewed version two of those Huskar rules. So a, a, a proper bodyguard for the Primarch. On that subject, I painted up Dawn, the Primarch, so he's fully painted, apart from the um, scenic base he comes with, so I need to finish the scenic base. Um, uh, And I also painted Sigismund, the first captain. Um, Really happy with how he came out. I did paint up a Sigismund, um, oh man, a year or two back, Um, and I was never 100% happy with how he turned out. Um, So I managed to get hold of a second Sigismund model, and I painted him again, and I'm really happy with how, how he's turned out now. I think that's it on the... Oh, oh, no, no. Two more models I painted were the Javelin Landspeeders, the Imperial Fist Javelin Landspeeders, look like little wasps. Um, they were really fun to paint. So they're not completely finished yet. The actual vehicle, it's, well, it's not a vehicle anymore. It's a cavalry anti-grab subtype with wounds and a toughness. Um, they're, they're done. Both of those are done. Uh, but the crew inside, so there's the two pilots and the two gunners. I just need to paint them up. Um, so all that's really left for the Imperial Fists is um, uh, a single Phalanx Warden squad, which is all built, two Apothecaries, and then the crew for the Javelins. And that's my army done. Just over 3,000 points that'll be in total once that's done. Um, I do want to add more, though. Um, yeah, I want to add more, which is strange. I, I thought I'd be happy with, with the models I've painted for the Imperial Fists, but after playing some games, I, I want to add some more as well. So oh, no. that's me on the hobby. Um, you know, everything also... in the uh, the Lieber um, Astartes. <laughs> oh, well, I'm just talking about, about the Imperial Fish, yeah. So, um, obviously, the new Leviathan, I want to add a Leviathan. Because I really I really enjoy, you know, the, I've got the Primarch in there to take it to 3,000 points. But I'd like to be able to play games without a Primarch. 
and he's a big chunk of the points, 500 points nearly. Um, so obviously you have to fill that with something else. Dreadnought's looking good. Uh, Leviathans, we, Contemptors. Are we encroaching into top three territory here? Uh, maybe, maybe, yeah. Well, well, I'll wrap up there then. So that, that's what I've been working on the Imperial Fist. But then I've also been working on another really, really... Ex- I can't, I've never. I've not been this excited about building and painting models for a very, very long time. And I get excited quite easily building and painting models. But I can't talk about it. But but rest assured, I've been working on something else that is really, really, really cool. Excellent. How about yourself, Matt? What have you been up to since last podcast? Well, I have been um, working on a Chaos Knight Rampager because it's not that long until we've got the um, the um, uh, doubles tournament. We've only got one show between now and then, I think. We have so, and with with the as ever massive stockpile of reviews and stuff, I've been in in time in between. I've been uh, putting some paint on that. So literally just before the show, I put a bit of corn red on some of the panels. I'm hoping to stay on a bit tonight, get all the panels blocked in, and then um, for the night, I've, I've blocked in the the reds with with corn red, the blacks within star black, and then what I actually do is kind of glaze over the red panels with flesh terror. I think it is contrast, mm-hmm. oh, which yeah. gives it kind of a rich dark leathery look. And then it's just a case of going around and painting the trim and all the details and stuff, which is a it's one of those jobs that takes a while, but you can kind of do while kind of doing something else, watching some TV or something. Uh, so so that needs doing ASAP really, so it's ready for the tournament. And then I've got a thousand points of Chaos Knights done. However, I had been distracted. The last, I was I was hoping to have them finished by um, by the end of the weekend and started painting the Chaos Knight today. So unfortunately, over the weekend I was distracted by something else, and that was the uh, the, the the Demon General of Cygnus. <laughs> um, mm. And yet he Cabanda is fully assembled. He is undercoated. He is ready to start painting, and he is a big, chunky lad. He is. He's huge. It's. I, I mean, I've sent you some pictures. It's, it's in isolation. When you see the picture by itself, you think that's not that much bigger than a bloodthirster. I've there's some pictures on Twitter of him compared to a, a, a Chaos Knight, and his wingspan nearly fills the uh, desk. It's it's ridiculously massive. So um. For, for ease of painting, just because those wings are so big and heavy, I've actually attached them to the model because I think it'd be easier to paint it attached than separate. Uh, what I have left as a sub-assembly, though, is his hand holding his whip because um, they've obviously learned from the previous Exalted Bloodthirst that they did where it was kind of like lashing its whip forward, but that basically meant that within like two foot of the Bloodthirster, you can't deploy anything because it just gets in the way. So instead, he's kind of like raising his whip in the hair, in the air, and he kind of twists around him and then attaches to the base. So mm. it is a, a big whip, but a bit more contained. But obviously, if you stick that in place, it's going to be super hard to get to his body to paint it. So I've left that separate, stick it all together, and then I've got a feeling once he's painted, I'll be back on the demon hype again and try and get some demons done ready for uh, the, the ruin storm list to drop. Very busy week for, for all of us. Um, we'll, we'll find out, obviously, what Andy's been up to next week. We have got quite a bit to get through in this week's show, so we're going to take a slight pause, and we'll come back with all of this last week's news. So what do we have in this week's news, Matt? Well, we have got a bumper week of pre-orders. I mean, we had a bit of a breather last week with the um, Horus Heresy being a two-week pre-order, but Games Workshop have certainly caught up this week. Uh, yet we've got all sorts of stuff for, like, all systems. So for Warhammer Age of Sigmar, 
we've got the General's Handbook Pitched Battles 2022 to 2023 Season 1, which is a bit of a mouthful. Uh, <laughs> obviously, as we know, the General's Handbook is now coming out every six months. So there will be seasons, and this is the first season book. This one's a bit of a surprise. It is priced at £30. Considering the previous one was £27.50 and came with all the points, uh, obviously points are going to be free on Warcom now. Uh, it looks like it's still in the nice hard-bound, spiral-bound, fold-out format that I really wish the 40k ones were in. Yeah, but yeah. Um, £60 a year for your rules is a little bit on the steep side, I feel. Yeah. So we'll see if there's any other goodies in there. Obviously, in the past, the General's Handbook had all sorts of really cool, fun stuff. But it seems like that kind of content is now in the uh, the Realm supplement book. So, yeah, we'll see. It's uh, not long until we can have a dig into this and see what's inside it. Um, now, you guys have both been patiently waiting for your armies to get some love in Age of Sigmar. And on Saturday, we have got Order Battle Tome Sylvaneth off of pre-order, £32.50, accompanied by the Gossamid Archers at £35 and the Spite Rider Lancers at £37.50. Uh, Jay, I take it you'll be picking up all this stuff, won't oh, you? Oh, yeah. Uh, I'm really looking forward to this. I mean, I really like the, um, was it Echoes of Doom, wasn't it, the box mm. when we first got the Gossamid um, Archers? But those Spite, Spite Rider, Spite, is it Spite Rider Lancers? Spite Rider Lancers, yeah. And they yeah, also they... built a alternate build, uh, the Revenant Seekers. Yeah, they look very cool. The uh, the rules they've been previewing on the Warhammer community um, these last week or so have really been really really exciting. I think. Yeah, it's, it looks. I'm looking forward to seeing it because I think Sylvanith is one of the older books that needed a bit of a kind of a shot in the arm. And speaking of older books that needed a shot in the arm, uh, Dave, Battletome <laughs> Skaven's up for pre-order. Yes, yes. <laughs> yeah. Sadly, no miniatures accompanying this, which is a massive shame. But from some of the stuff they've previewed, they look pretty cool. I know on Warcom today, for every 10 models in the unit, it increases the reach by an inch, which means a big old squad of 40 wow. <laughs> can all stab you with the weapons. Absolutely, yeah, they're gonna be they're gonna be brought, especially big units of storm vermin. I think they could really put some pain on. So, yeah, looking forward to to what we're seeing uh, in this uh, in this book. Can't wait to get my hands on it. Yeah, well, there's also war scroll cards for both the Sylvan, the Skaven, and the Daughters of Cain, who I assume were just lost in Orgu for a bit. The yeah, uh, the war scroll cards for them are coming out. Price between nineteen pounds and twenty-two pounds. I think the Skaven one's slightly more, but there's more models in the range for them to have war scrolls for. Yeah. Um, there's also some new dice for the Skaven and Sylvaneth. The the Skaven one, Skaven one's a, a warpstone green with green symbols. It's kind of a shame that they're not yellow mm. with, with warpstone green symbols on, but hey. Um, and standard silver were the last ones wood style, Jay, or was that um, the, the, the no. book before that? The, that was the book before that. Yeah, the ones recent, the ones before these ones, I think, were a bit difficult to read, if I remember rightly. Uh, the wooden ones were the first ones that come out, which were really unusual. But if you remember back then, they did all sorts of weird dice, like the bouncy squig mm. dice and the squishy Nurgle dice. Um but yeah, these ones look they look okay, don't they? They're like a foresty sort of green, aren't they? And yeah, yeah. So they're they're all priced at twenty four pounds. We've also got a trio. Of, a tr- we've also got a trio of Vanguard boxes, uh, priced at eighty pounds each. These are, I guess, the successor to start collecting boxes. Uh, we've got a Daughters of Cain one, which I don't know. It's it's a bit vanilla. You've got a unit of Doomfire Warlocks, a unit of Witch Elves, a unit of Snakes, and a Malusi 
uh, Iron Scale, which I'm sure combinations of that have been in the last few like battle boxes they've had. I suppose on the plus side, there's no Canari in here, which have definitely been in every battle box for the Daughters of Cain. Uh, but you've got a nice mix. You know, two of these boxes, yeah, you'll have the spare character, but you'll be able to put together, you know, the start of a, of a Daughters of Cain for. So that's really cool. Uh, Skaven also get a new one with a Grey Seer, um, 20 Clan Rats, three Storm Fiends and a Warp Lightning Cannon. What are your thoughts on this one, Dave, for 80 quid? I, I think that's a really good box. It's nice for Skaven to have an actual start collecting box of any kind, because if you were to get into Skaven previously, your only route was uh, Pestilence, um, which if you didn't want to lean into the Nurgly Skaven, that wasn't yeah. really a starting place for you. Uh, and I think the models you put in this is, yeah, you, you're always going to want Clan Rats. Stormfiend's a, 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 a boss, and yeah, you can't go wrong for Warp Lightning Cannon. So um, it's only really the grace here that you don't really need multiples of. So yeah, it's a great box. That's cool. And would that combo quite well with the stuff out of Echoes of Doom? Yeah, definitely. Um, I, I would say so. You, you've got a, you've got your three battle lines there. You've got one unit of storm vermin, two big, two big twenty man blobs of um, of uh, clan rats. You've got two characters. Um, you've got some storm fiends. Even three storm fiends are a good. Although I'm looking forward to what they they can do in the new books. I think they'll they they deserve to be buffed. They deserve to be tougher. Uh, and you've got an artillery piece as well. And you've got your uh, Screaming Bell. So, yeah. yeah, it's a great start to an army. That seems pretty cool. Uh, and also, out of nowhere, the Night Haunt have got a Vanguard box as well. So this seems a really good one. You've got 20 Chain Rasps, a uh, Knight of Shrouds, 10 Grimgast Reapers, and 3 Spirit O. So, again, um, the, 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 all, the, all, the, all the infantry in that box are battle line units as well. So... And an excellent start for an army and, and good picks as well. So that's definitely a strong box if you're collecting Night Haunt. Yeah, I saw this and I was I was quite impressed with this box as well. Um, yeah, nice little starting force if you're into those ghosties. Oh, absolutely. And the Night of Shrouds is good in the new, but Spirit, all these units are really handy. So um, again, if you're doing a, a, a big army as well, if you're going infantry heavy, uh, with, the, with the Night Haunt, You've got a lot of points you're going to be spending on characters. So maybe not one where you're going to get multiple boxes of these. But, I mean, this will certainly fulfill your, like, core battle line choices. So, yeah, yeah, it seems mm. really, really good. Um, if you wanted to expand an existing army, they've also got a number of characters that have previously been in battle boxes up for pre-order too. Uh, there's the Auric Flamekeeper, which I'm going to have to pick up for my Fire Slayers because I've got, a, you know, a pretty much finished Fire Slayers army, but you can never have too many characters to throw in. The Achelian Thrallmaster, the High Gladiatrix and the Scripta Mortis are all now available separately for the first time. Uh, they, again, range from um, kind of 19 to 24 pounds spending on the model. So, yeah, some pretty cool stuff there. For Warhammer 40,000, we have got Chapter Approved Warzone Nephilim Grand Tournament Mission Pack. So this is the equivalent of the General's Handbook, but for 40k, again, containing this season's uh, match play rules again season for 40k and now six months and uh yeah this one is priced at 17 pound 50 which is a lot cheaper than the general's handbook that is far more reasonable i think that's kind of what i thought we'd get for the general no obviously that this this looks like it's still kind of uh kind of uh soft back uh kind of bound like the old ones mm. um and obviously the, the the general's handbook ones tend to be like the, the hardback spiral 
narrow bound opens up flat jobby um but yeah i kind of hoped that we'd have a similar price point for the uh the age of sigmar one i will have to admit um don't know what's in there yet i know in the past they mentioned that there'll be um objectives for each army as well which i think is really nice because there's no longer any trawling through books trying to find stuff all the missions that you can pick for this season will be in this book so that's pretty cool um and then for necromunda we have got some ridiculously cool stuff come in so first of all we've got book of the outlands this is 30 pounds and this contains your rules for your ash waste nomads for your squats dave and uh, I, I assume all the kind of vehicle stuff as well so mm. that's pretty cool um speaking of vehicles the cargo eight ridge hauler is also up for pre-order and i gotta say i'm a little surprised by the price for this one so you can get the main cab itself which comes with a kind of a, a unit on the top of it and some gunners that is 57 pound 50 and then each trailer that you want to add to that is 30 pounds no sorry 36 pounds and then there's also an additional kit that you can buy which has got the gunners that go on top of the, the the storage units to add some firepower to it so you're talking really for the truck one trailer and the gunners about 100 pounds that's um yeah that's expensive isn't it for it is it is now i guess arguably an arbitrator in a group is probably going to buy one of these for scenarios but let's not forget the the book um of the outlands has got rules for adding these to your gang and they're a nice option for obviously the orlocks have got their quad bikes and stuff but other gangs at the minute haven't got any like gang specific stuff so this was a nice generic vehicle to be able to add for any gang so even the base thing alone at 57.50 does seem a little bit pricey to me um mm. I, I mean i'll be getting one and i'll be painting it up but considering a kratos is cheaper than a ridge <laughs> with, a, with a thingy I don't know. We'll see. Obviously, I haven't seen this in the flesh yet. You know, it might be a big hefty thing when I see it, but um, just my gut tells me that's a little bit on the pricey side. I imagine they'll sell because they're cool, but um, yeah, yeah I mean, even I'm tempted, and you know, I'm not. I'm not the biggest Necromunda fan in the world. Yeah, exactly. So maybe that's why it's a little bit on the pricey side. I mean, the good thing is that if you are one of those gangs without anything, like you're, you're tempted by the thing that's coming up next in the news, Jay. You could easily add one of these to your gang to kind of like fulfill your your points for vehicles um speaking of that the iron head squat prospectors plastic squats proper squats with visors and chunky armor uh, are coming to necromunda next week so these are 28 pounds for eight squats and it looks like you get a variety of weapons as well looking at the picture um not gonna lie, I'm probably gonna pick up a box of these as well just to paint up because I love me some squats. Uh, Jay, you're tempted to get these as well, aren't you? For your introduction into Necromunda. Introduction into Necromunda. Introduction into Space Dwarfs. Yeah, these look really, really cool. I mean, they're so distinctive looking, aren't they? They almost look a bit like uh, deep sea divers. They do. Um, deep sea yeah. divers with sunglasses. With sunglasses, yeah. They, and that's the thing as well. I think they've got they've got that comedy sort of you know tongue in cheek. They do look like they're all smirking and quite cocky, and I like that. I yeah, like they it. do. Uh, I quite like the, the the kind of touches to dwarves as well. Like you've got the kind of runic symbol on the belts, and they are yeah. they pretty to me. It seems like take a Warhammer fantasy dwarf, give them some 40k weapons, and stick them in a mining suit. 
Yeah. Very cool. Yeah, you're right. That sort of belly thing they've got. It's like a skull, isn't it, with a with a beard rather than like an ancestor sort of shield. Yeah. Very cool. So so yeah, these are these are really 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 cool. Uh, supporting them as well, there's also gang tactics cards for the squats, and the Orlock cards are being reprinted as well. So if you missed out on them for eleven pounds, you can pick up the gang tactics cards for your gang. The, all those are in the main book on a chart that you can roll on, but. I'm a sucker for having physical cards I can use on the table. It, it helps yeah. me remember things then, especially in the uh, the heat of a battle. We've also got two uh, resin Necromunder models coming from Forge World. Uh, one that, again, might appeal to Dave. We've got Vesper, Minx, Moderna, Orlock, Bounty Hunter. She is a bounty hunter with a rocket launcher sat on the back of a quad bike. With great hair. With great hair. And her driver is called Big Pete. So... <laughs> That's just amazing. <laughs> yeah, she's a she's an incredible model. Yeah, I might have to add her to my unlocks at some point. And you know, if if if, if Jay's bringing squats backed up with a big, you know, HGV, you might need a lady with a rocket launcher just to pop that <laughs> thing open. <laughs> if, however, you prefer your mounts to have like four legs and look really weird and make you feel a little bit sick when you look at them, there's the Witari Stormcaller. This is like a shaman for the uh, ash waste nomads and he looks amazing uh with his like staff sat atop his um dustback helamite yeah i'm gonna have to paint one of these up at least i need to see the walls and see how many i can fit in my army list because uh <laughs> he looks really cool <laughs> so yeah that is a lot of pre-orders but that is not even the start of all the news we've had this week guys now we are about a week out maybe a little bit less by the time the show goes out, from the release of Warhammer, The Horus Heresy, Age of Darkness. And it seems that is just the beginning of all of the hype. Uh, And uh, Warhammer Community have put up a roadmap showing the Horus Heresy releases for 2022. This is a relatively recent thing that Warcom have started doing, giving us kind of like long-term insight into the future. And I've got to say, I, I love this and more of this, please, guys, because it's really good to see what is on the horizon. Um, and yeah, so basically the way it goes, every month between now and October, there's going to be downloadable PDFs. Some of them will contain rules for, like Jay talked about earlier, some of the supplements that they've released on Warcom over the last few months with unique units for each Legion. There's also going to be PDFs with um, some of the armies that aren't getting um, books anytime soon, such as the Ruin Storm Demons. There's also going to be PDFs with uh, rules for models that don't exist anymore. So presumably stuff like the Assault Ram and, you know, some of the, I think some of the mechanics Anakin kits have fallen out of the range. So that's cool. If you've got a Horus Heresy army, there will be rules for whatever you take, which is really cool. Uh, off the top of my head, like the big box chunky dreadnoughts that you take in 40k aren't in the Lieber books, so they will get rules in these PDFs. So that's pretty cool. If you've got any of them, you can use them. From June through to October, there will also be new miniatures released periodically. We know we've got the Sakaran coming. We've got we know we've got the other weapon packs. We know we've got the Leviathan Dreadnought. It wouldn't surprise me if we see a steady stream of these throughout the year, um, including stuff that we maybe haven't seen yet, which would be really, really cool. Then in August, the Liber Mechanicum will be dropping. This will have the rules for the forces of the Omnissiah within your games of um, Horus Heresy. It looks like it's going to be a single book that has the core 
um, Mechanicum list, and then there'll be appendices uh, talking about the Titan Legions, the Questorus households, the various kind of orders of the Mechanicum, and even, even the Dark Mechanicum. So exciting stuff going on there. Um, I have always wanted to do a Horus Heresy Mechanicum army. Dave, I'm sure this has got your name all over it. It has. It has. Um, I don't know if I'm quite prepared for a Forge World army yet, but <laughs> it's, it's very tempting. Well, you say this, Dave, but between June and October, there's new plastic kits coming out every month. So it could be we hit August and some of the core units from Mechanica make the change into plastic. Oh, well, I'm sold if that happens. Now, obviously, we don't know anything here. <laughs> this is just random speculation. But it wouldn't surprise me if at least, say, the standard infantry or a big chunky robot or something becomes plastic at some point. I think the master plan is over the next few years, everything becomes plastic. Um, yes. I, it, it surprised me if there wasn't a mechanic and plastic kit alongside the book when it drops, because that's tends to be how we get the quarterly releases for Necromunda Tyrannicus. There's normally some kind of model support with the book, isn't there? Yeah, yeah. And you can ally in some of the mechanical stuff as well with your Astarte. So, um, yeah, maybe if they slowly brought out more mechanical plastic kits, that'd, that'd be really cool. And then in October, we've also got the Liber Imperium coming. Now, we don't know what's in this book. Me and Jay have been speculating about it a little bit while at Warhammer World the other day. We assume this will contain the kind of non Astartes Imperium forces, so the Custodes, the Sisters of Silence, the Solar Exilia, maybe. Um, now, also mentioned in the core book are the Assassins, who we've never had rules for before. So that's pretty exciting. Um, Walk on mention that there will be downloads for the Re- Demons of the Ruined Storm and the Imperialist Militia and Warp Cult. So they, the, the Solar Exilia, is kind of like very specifically the the militarized forces uh, kind of defending uh, the soul system. So these mm-hmm. are kind of like, I guess, the more elite Imperial Guard, if you want to say, more organized, trained military, where your militia and warp cults are your conscripts and the horrific lost and the damned that have been swayed to um, Horus's cause. So, those are going to be a download, which makes me think that the more organised military would be in the Libra Imperium. And I think, I mean, there's not a mass of custodies units, certainly not for the Sisters of Silence. So I could see those four armies being in one book. And if it's you know a similar size to the Libra box, that'd be a really cool force because, Jay, you've got a custodian army. But if you've got the army list in there for the Solar Auxilia as well, in the future you might go, oh, you know what, I can put together a little allied unit of them. Um, that's what's dangerous about these Lieber books, isn't it? <laughs> it is. It really is. It really is. So, uh, yeah, I mean, that's out until October. So presumably we'll learn a little bit more about it. But again, there's a tantalising thing of could we see some plastics alongside this? You know, I would. I don't know what I'd do if they bring out plastic solo auxilia infantry, <laughs> because this is it. That's the, that's the expensive part for starting the army. You can buy a plastic kit covering some you know basic squads of solo auxilia then you don't mind paying for the resin command squads and the tanks and stuff no it's just when you're spending like 300 quid on a unit that's where it gets yeah, a bit... exactly yeah yeah so yeah or, or new units for the sisters of silence be cool again 
we might be completely wrong and the Libra Imperium covers something completely different. But uh, that's that's our best guess at the minute. So I'm really excited. I'm sure you guys are really excited. Uh, yeah, I think it's going to be an exciting year of Horus Heresy. And then finally, um, I say finally, the penultimate bit in the news, a really gorgeous model is turned up for uh, Necromunda, revealed today on Warcom, the uh, the Delac Spiker. So <laughs> I've, I think I think we chatted about this guy when I did the um, the um, House of Shadows um, review, and these are guys that have been pumped full of uh, psychotronic drugs that enhance their psychic potential. And I think at the time I was like, I can envision some kind of Akira-style horrific monstrosity and you know what the actual model isn't far off this poor guy <laughs> is in like a harness his brain's getting filled with various nasty looking uh drugs um yeah i'm gonna have to get one of these to add to my uh to that gang uh, yeah it's a it's an interesting looking model not not my particular taste but he is bonkers not your taste he's gorgeous dave i think he's ace. I, I think you could um he reminds me a bit of do you remember the um the, the cultist we saw recently which is just like the head being mm. carried by the uh chaos uh cultist yeah I can, imagine, I can imagine one of these being captured by the forces of chaos have its head removed and used as the psychic battery for whatever that horrific thing is as well maybe they're just like weird psychers with big heads maybe that's maybe that's my uh current taste but finally finally we have got um something exciting i know dave's certainly excited about this one i'm, I'm eager to try this out so we had a little teaser the other day about something new coming to the um the citadel paint range and we had some wild theories i was i, I kind of thought oh could we see primers in a pot of different colors so you'd have to spray your models sadly that isn't what's happened what we are getting however a 25 brand new contrast paints the entire citadel shade range reformulated seven new shades added to the range and a new spray reformulated white scar designed to take uh contrast games which would say it's their best white spray ever gentlemen where to start on this lot dave you're a big painter with contrast what are your thoughts on 25 new colors being added to the range I just, I'm just trying to think about what I want to paint with those 25 new colours, Matt. Uh, I'm very excited. Um, I'm a big, big fan of Contrast. Um, I think it, I mean, let's be honest, since Contrast launched, I painted a lot more than I've ever painted before. Uh, and that can only be a good thing. And I'm sure there's many other people out there that are in exactly the same boat as me. So, yeah, to have all these new colours... Yeah, I can't wait. I I just can't decide what I want to paint first with these um bright and and wonderful colours. Yeah, I mean, it looks like they've got they've got certainly got some like brighter and more vivid ones in there. But they've also got some interesting things in there. They're a bit more subtle. So um Bria Queen Chill looks kind of like apothecary white but with a green tinge to give you a bit of a ghostly kind of effect. Um uh, Pilot Glacier they say it creates the illusion of an icy surface. And there's a really nice example of a, um, you're going to have to help me with the name, Luminous Spear Person. Sentinel, is it? I'm going to say a Sentinel. Venari or Alan Warden. Uh, there you go, one of them. Uh, <laughs> and and because it kind of looks like it's got the kind of consistency and thinness of Apothecary White, it just leaves a really subtle blue in the recesses. 
which looks really really nice um I yeah i think that'd really suit like um maybe I'm, I'm 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 thinking out loud here um some kind of frozen blue tinged ghost night haunt maybe the cold never bother me anyway dave uh, exactly. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, uh, one of my favourite ones has not got much love on the interwebs, but uh, Garagax Sewer is a nice mucky brownie rusty colour, which they've slopped over a um, a killer can, and it looks amazing. You can sit, <laughs> imagine taking some riser rust and just hitting the edges with that. It looks brilliant. Yeah, absolutely. It, it, it's if you want a dirty kind of. Well, I think they picked exactly the right model to show it off with. Um, then, yeah, you could do that very quickly and very easily. Now, obviously, as with all this, it's 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 different, I suppose, once you've got them painted in your own hands and can have a play with them. But certainly some of the yellows and oranges and blues look to have some decent coverage as well for putting down as like an initial colour. So, yeah, I am very much looking forward to having a good play with these. Um, they've also done is reformulated the entire shade range. So this is... All existing shades, the formula is changing. And what they have done, I think they've used some of the properties of contrast in their kind of research here. Now, contrast tints the surface and then pulls away into the recesses. The new shades will repel the surfaces, but only go towards the recesses. The idea being that you slop a shade on something it just goes where you want the highlight. It doesn't leave a bit of a mucky stain on the flat surfaces, which washes sometimes do. I think this, obviously we'd have to play with them, but where you're kind of like pin washing stuff, you might not necessarily need to be as neat anymore because it will naturally draw back towards that crevice. Yeah. Um, what are your thoughts on this? I mean, for start, I am going to buy some emergency pots of Agrax and Norn just because I know how they handle and if I don't get on with the new ones, I'll be like, oh, I wish I would have bought a couple of pots. Um, but there's some cool new colours. We've got, you know, blues, greens. We've got my favourite one is called Soul Blight Grey, which looks like a really subtle grey. Imagine apothecary white, but as a shade that just goes to the recesses. I think that'll make painting like white scars and, and world eaters, heresy, uh, much easier. Gentlemen, what are your thoughts on these? Uh, I'm, to be fair... I'm more interested in the shades than the contrasts. Um, and there are a couple of shades that, like you say, you do get that patchy thingy with them sometimes to care them. And we've talked about it recently on the podcast, how I've fallen out of love with Agrax Earthshade. So you see you're stocking up on Agrax Earthshade. I'm actually looking forward to the reformulated Agrax Earthshade. Mm. Um, but yeah, but what, what, one thing that did stand out to me, and you mentioned it as well, Matt, is how vivid all the colours look and how bright. So I can't wait to see to see you know what people do with these new contrasts because I find sometimes that the current contrasts um, the finish can sometimes be it's not shiny or tacky um, but it, I don't know if it looks too saturated or I, I'm not sure um, whereas these ones look really smooth don't they? Yeah, I mean it was the, the best example of that I think is uh, coincidentally Imperial Fist which they've put over a, a model sprayed with the new um, White Scar uh, spray paint. And that looks amazing. It yeah, doesn't it have the, the pooling and running and stuff that you sometimes get with some of the contrast colours. And I will say, some contrast paints have got better coverage than other ones, haven't they? I guess it must be how they're formulated. Yeah. But if, if, if they've got like primary colours, like the blue, red, yellow, um, where you can spray them white, 
and then just slot this over it and get a base coat that is going to make painting super super quick what i will say though is that um if you're a fan of the gloss shades they are all leaving the range so Nornoi gloss agrax gloss right clan gloss and cryptic armor shade gloss which i believe is a new one that came out with indomitus uh, they're all going mm-hmm. so if you do Strange. want them pick them up soon i imagine it's because the the contrast properties they probably just make it that way then add it. the the old paints it would have been the same paint just with a gloss medium to it i suspect the gloss medium doesn't react very well with the contrast formula it's just my guess i'm not a paintomatician but uh, yeah i'm looking forward to trying these out and also gentlemen i think what we're going to do is try a new contrast challenge as well and all try and paint up some stuff any thoughts on what we want to paint to try these out I mean, we've we've been mentioning Zinch demons, um, bright coloured like uh, Escher gang with lots of bright colours. I don't know, Ooh, guys. Yeah. Anything that you want to try painting with these new paints? Um, Zinch was the first thing that came to my mind. Um, but during the well, just before the show, uh, I know you mentioned dinosaurs, Seraphon, Matt. I think some really brightly coloured dinosaurs would be cool, like some carnosaurs. As we've been talking, I'm thinking some really vibrant ghosts would be really cool as well. Um, ooh, I just ooh, don't know. Ooh, Dave. So there's a faction in the Nighthaunt book, which um, I forget what they're called, but they're basically blood ghosts. That'd be cool. <laughs> oh, that'd be very cool. What about you, Jay? Any any thoughts what you'd like to paint with these new colours? Yeah, well, I mean, on the new army front and army to track with, I think you've got some good choices. Sylvaneth might be a good one as well with um, mm. the colours on the spikes and the weapons and things like that might be worth trying out, um, especially if you get a much smoother finish on them. Um, although dryad bark and that sort of thing, you know, the tree bark is probably probably would work quite well with contrast. So maybe Sylvaneth. Um, but I was also thinking one thing that I, I think, you know, you pick up con- like contrast and you see lots of tutorials where they pick up, for example, the Space Marine Legions for Horus Heresy. So, you know, paint a, paint a Space Marine Legion with contrast. It sounds like a great idea considering how big the armies are. But, but I'm always a bit wary about how how that contrast paint and how you could replicate the same sort of colour on vehicles and flat panels and things mm-hmm. like that. So maybe I might pick up a vehicle or a dreadnought or something like that and try to use the contrast on that. Because I think if you can nail contrast on a vehicle then you you, you you know you can be quite confident that the rest of your army is going to match that same sort of style that's it well one of my bugbears about contrast now is sometimes you get tide marks and stuff and it just doesn't look very good if you add a lot of medium and you're super careful with application and like you say if you can nail a vehicle or something then use those same skills to paint the rest of the army i'm fairly confident you could paint anything using contrast excellent what a what a point to end the new segment on I can't wait to get out my hold on those new paints. Is there a release um, date for these paints yet, or is it July? Uh, July, July. July so okay. I'm sure once all the, I mean, we've got a busy few weeks with all the release, you know, pre-orders up for today. I think once we're on the other side of the Age of Darkness release, we might know a little bit more about when these come out. Excellent. Something to really look forward to for anybody, you know, doesn't matter what you're into. New paints are great. That brings us to the end of the news segment. We're going to take a slight pause. When we come back, we're going to be talking a little bit more about the heresy. So we'll be right back. So we have had our hands 
on the Horus Heresy Age of Darkness box for a couple of weeks now. And uh, we, I think it's safe to say, Jay, that we are fully down that rabbit hole now, aren't we? Uh, oh, yes. We are declared for the Emperor in my case, for sure. Or the Warmaster, you know, not, not <laughs> picking a winning side. Um, and we we, we yeah, went away to, to Warhammer World last week and managed to have an entire day playing the new edition of the Horus Heresy. And we basically wanted to share our thoughts on how the game plays, what we like, what we don't like, and basically kind of how different it is to the old edition and, you know, do the new changes make it a bit more interactive? So I think going into it, we um, we didn't build our lists specifically for the new edition of the game did we we kind of had existing horus heresy armies and we just took what we had and thought yeah we'll work it out when we get there and that itself added a couple more kind of like interesting things didn't it you had a fairly kind of stock imperial guard army what's your right of war called imperial fist the stone gauntlet so this used to in the old horus heresy used to take all your breacher squads um, and your models with boarding shields would benefit from plus one toughness. Um, I can't recall now whether they, I think there were extra advantages for being behind fortifications and things like this. A lot of that's been stripped out. Um, and again, now in, in, in Horus Heresy 2, it's very similar. You've got your phalanx warders, which are like elite breaches with boarding shields, but now you get a re-rollable invulnerable save. So not too different. They're basically themed around being quite resilient. Yeah, and and I guess from a, from a deployment point of view, it was all your guys on the table, base to base contact, holding yeah. walls and looking you know glorious while doing it. Where I'd kind of gone for more inadvertently a more kind of unusual army in the black reaving. So this represents the kind of um, spearhead assault that the Sons of Horus do. We we read about it in the books. We've got the Saturnine Gambit. We've got you know orbital strikes and stuff and i think i only had a handful of units actually deployed on the board at the start of the game didn't i with everything else arriving from uh, either the vengeful spirits underground or in a big old drop pod and i think that's really the first big change that we need to talk about the way deep strike works in the new game so previously what you did is you'd roll for each unit in reserves and it'd kind of come on piecemeal over the course of the game and it led to some maybe negative game experiences where you could precision strike down around the battlefield in certain areas where you need your things to come down which didn't really capture the kind of way orbital assaults work in 40k um and you know in the lore in the books we're in the new edition with the drops the drop assault rule your entire force is basically on the ship, ready to go down, you roll to see if that entire drop force arrives, and then a kind of vanguard unit will strike down to the battlefield, scatter if necessary, it might be disordered, depending on how it's landed, they'll get out, and then the rest of the drop pods and teleports and stuff will fire up in kind of a radius around that, and it looked visually really really cool on the battlefield to see this drop pod come crashing down and then all these kind of like teleport signals flare up and just air and terminators appearing and what was an empty battlefield suddenly had a million sons of horus within a couple of feet of the uh imperial fists certainly was fun for me how did you how did you find the receiving <laughs> end of that jay well 
it was brutal, really, really brutal. Um, but I really, really, I think you're right. It, it really sort of um, evokes those uh, images you see, you 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 know, you, you read about in the horror series series with, with overwhelming teleportation strikes. You know, this is the Astartes, the hammer, just hitting the enemy. Um, and yeah, in the, you mentioned it, what you said was I perfectly agree with you. Where you were getting piecemeal units coming around different parts of the board, maybe from a gameplay point of view, that's more beneficial because you can tag objectives or exploit weak points or jump behind a tank and hit the rear armor. But really, you want an overwhelming show of force, and that's what the new Deep Strike Assault rules are. You know, that's what they are. It's it's fantastic. Um, like you say, when when you when you're um, deploying your army, you you sort of assign units with a deep strike to a deep strike assault, and then they all come down in the same area. There is a chance though that the opponent can scupper that plan. So you roll a dice, don't you? Once you've placed the first model, you roll a, the opponent rolls a dice to see whether the they're able to disrupt the deep strike assault. And if you roll a one, it's counted a disordered deep strike assault, and the opponent gets to place the first model, and then the rest of your army comes around it. So it's a bit of a gamble. For the person deep striking, and I found in certain the, the first game took us you know a long time. We were kind of going through the rules bit by bit and kind of talking through things. So it wasn't you, your normal game experience that you'd have playing Heresy. We were kind of tinkering under the hood, weren't we, a little bit? The yeah. second game was more of a a normal game, and I don't think it was a terribly long game either. It's certainly no longer than a game of forty k, um, and we'd kind of both got our heads around how this deep strike was going to work because there could be the situation where if you're clever with your units turn one you can really kind of limit where this overwhelming deep strike's going to go because i had a lot of models to put within that radius to that first drop didn't i um and equally there's things in the book such as augury scanners that just turn off deep strike within an 18 inch bubble so a smart player will be able to kind of limit the the outputs equally some of the forces have got stuff like sanguinius basically nominates a point where he's coming down which you're going to come down and do a load of damage that turn but it does give me a couple of turns to get into position and stop that from happening yeah it does and like you mentioned those augury scanners they're quite they're quite cheap you sprinkle them across your units and i think as players get to groups with horus hosi 2 and see how much how effective the deep strike assaults can be because of course when you deep strike in you can't move or run but you're able to shoot and charge um, which is really, really good. You can really hammer into weak points on opponent's line. So I think you'll see a lot of people sort of as they play the game, they'll start equipping augury scanners. And then that brings in other strategies. So obviously I think pinning plays a much more important um, uh, role in this game as well now. And the ability to pin enemy units, not only does it stop that unit from doing reactions, um, but I mean, that's that's critical. If your units, you know, you deep strike in right in front of the enemy lines you're opening yourself up to a whole load of different kinds of reactions. But if those units are pinned beforehand, so maybe you've got some snipers on the board or some artillery that's able to pin those units before your deep strike assault comes in, I, I think it's really, really cool. Um, it, it, you have to think about your army working a lot more together, I think. I, I, I don't think it's the, the addition of Death Stars anymore. I think it's like a no. combined arms type approach. There's, it's not until you play a few games that you find out how useful all this stuff is in tandem you mentioned snipers uh, it, it, traditionally you'd use them for taking out champions or, or characters or stuff where i can see a lot of people using snipers to take out the guys with all grease scanners so your deep strike assault can come in yeah exactly yeah it's, there's, there's very what we had two two games three thousand points and there's very much a, a rock paper scissors 
with every unit in the book has another counter somewhere. I think the the cool thing with Rights of War is you can do a super tailored specialized force, but somebody could have a force that is the opposite counter to that force and can stop it. The game is very much a, a kind of a narrative game at its heart. But when we get into the competitive scene, I think it's going to be really interesting to see what kind of armies people take, because I, unlike 40k and the like, I don't think there's going to be a clear cookie cutter list to take because immediately the exact counter to that is possible to build. So you're going to have to be more clever and have a, a range of different units or highly focus on one speciality and be good at that, which is cool because it means we'll see different forces. Yeah. Um, so, so yeah. So the other big thing that we kind of got to experience firsthand was the reaction system and oh jay it was like the the psychological battles we were having between each other in every phase of the game yeah it's so so cool i i don't know about you i I think the, the 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 first thing that i think reactions have added to the game is they've made it much more involved so ordinarily i mean with armies this big you know, and I think Age of Sigmar does this well with the command abilities and the way you're able to react to opponents' moves and things. Age of Sigmar, you, you have to pay attention 100% through both players' turns. Whereas I think with like 40k and the previous edition of Horus Heresy, you could sort of set up in turn one before turn one and then your opponent's taking their turn and you couldn't do anything anyway. You know, it wasn't until the end of the shoot you were making armor saves, but there was no impact on that game. The, the, the first player got, you know, the run of the, the game initially. Mm. Um and whereas I think now each turn you're playing a game, it didn't feel like there was any downtime for me as the opposing player when it was when it was your turn. And I think that's the first thing that reactions have added to the game. They've made it a much more, you know, you, you turn up for a two and a half hour game and I'm playing two and a half hours worth of Warhammer, not an hour and a half while I wait for an hour for you to finish your turn. Yeah, it was it was mentally exciting, wasn't it? Like like a game of chess, I guess. <laughs> yeah. Kind of seeing where you're moving your guys because. You want to kind of measure and, and say, the, the, the first game that we had, we were very open of this is what we're doing. This is what we're trying to do as we learn the rules. I think once we get to like competitive games, oh, yeah. you, want to, you want to measure if that unit's within range of reaction, but not give the game away. So the opponent completes their movement and you're like, OK, well, this unit's going to do X, Y, Z. Well, this was it. I mean, that's it. The reactions are so cool. So if you talk about like the, the simplest one, which is um, uh, shooting back, firing back, I can't remember what it's called. Where's my sheet? I've got it uh, here. Return fire. Return, return fire. fire, yeah. So, you know, that that's the most simplest one. And that's the obvious one that looks like it's going to be the, the standout reaction when you first read through them. So an opponent shoots your tank, your tank shoots back. Or your opponent shoots your, your unit of tactical marines, your tactical marines shoot back. Um, but there's so many cool... The, the advance and evade ones were brilliant mm. um you know moving in the opponent's movement phase to like you say um shuffle around objectives or block charges later on in the turn or move move units closer so that in my turn i'm able to rapid fire with that unit you know you've basically given me a free movement phase for that unit the, the reactions are so cool and then you come on to the legion specific reactions um so for the imperial fist for example in the opponent's um movement phase i'm able to charge so you know if matt was moving his just there in terminators a bit close to my line sigismund and his templar brethren jumped out and charged them um and matt all right it works on matt once 
And then in the second game, Matt knows that uh, there's some Templar brethren there and, and Jay's got not used that reaction yet. He could use it any time. And in fact, Matt, I think there was one turn in the second game where you used your Sons of Horus um, reaction and it basically shut me down for a turn in terms of yeah. I was really cautious about moving units up because I, you had those double double reactions, wasn't it, for a turn on all your units? Yeah, so, so, so Horus, Horus once per game can basically do two reactions every phase. And... Yeah, just from a from a psychological point of view, you had to be super careful not to allow me to take advantage of that because normally there's a throwaway unit that can that can suffer a return fire, but the the Sons of Horus special one basically it's similar but lets a nearby unit fire at plus one ballistic skill, and you were absolutely terrified about getting shot at two plus from a nearby unit well was it the, the shooting in your shooting ability in my turn was better than me <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> and that was in my turn and then of course you had so you effectively had an additional shooting phase over the course of that game yeah. um but then you, then as you play more you know matt, matt knows he's got that and, and he and i he knows about the reactions i've got you can sort of bait reactions out you can sort of like you say play mind games you know you, you could you could you know, the order in which you t- choose to sort of, in quotes, activate units, you know, because, you know, I've got my my um, uh, return fire strategy. I'm not uh, reaction. I've not used it yet. So, you know, OK, well, if I, I'll save my best unit to last then so that it draws it out on all those other units. Um, yeah, well, well, on that, one of the things that I think we both used by like turn three or four of the second game is whereas first we're like, OK, you, you hold off on your your power for unit shooting because you don't want to have a return fire against it we're actually we both did this where we immediately open up fire with a, a spartan or a land raid or something something really offensive to try and draw out the i forget what it's called the uh shrouded evade, save. evade yeah because if you can draw out an evade from an aggressive shooting unit you're suddenly safe from a return fire now, obviously, there's shenanigans and some armies can get two shooting reactions. But as you play the game, you'll start to learn what each legion does. And I feel aggressively trying to draw out an early reaction is going to give you a big advantage. Yeah. But then again, as the people play the game, you're like, OK, well, I'll, I'll, I'll shrug this and and take the chance that you're going to try and do something later on in the game and like i say it it, it makes you pay attention and think about what your opponent's doing which is just brilliant yeah. um and even... i think i think there's lots of scope to set traps for the opponent uh, you know it, 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 you're almost playing 3d chess with them aren't you <laughs> you are yeah i mean even the the arguably the most boring one disordered charge makes a big difference oh, with the um, combat hold the line yeah well i use that to to great effect against the sons of horus um uh, yeah so you you basically not only are you not getting the and and you know overwatch seems like the go-to yeah if mm. you're going to charge me i'm going to shoot you especially now that you're overwatching on full ballistic skill and in some cases you're getting a bonus to your ballistic skill when pure fist get plus one to hit with bolter and auto weapons the sons yeah. of horus like you said you're getting that plus one you think all right well that, that's that's the go-to and no, no, no. hold the line can be just as effective because not only does it um, cause the opponent to make a disordered charge, which means they're not getting their plus one attack. They're also not be- benefiting from any abilities or special rules that trigger on making a charge, um, which a lot of the Sons of Horus rules sort of keyed off, didn't it? Yeah. So the, the Sons of Horus kind of like key trait. Uh, if you're attacking me, if I charge or you charge me, you're minus one strength. 
which makes a massive difference to how combat plays up. With you effectively being able to turn that off, it made it much easier for your guys to chop through what would normally be a bit of a tar pit of just air and terminators. Yeah. Um, I mean, that segues quite nicely into combat. I think both of us found combat so much more fun than any close combat in a recent Games Workshop game. <sighs> yeah. I've really missed the initiative step. I think that's the thing I love the most, the initiative step. You know, your power fist swinging last, your power sword striking first. The fact that now we've got weapon skill, you know, opponents are, it just felt like they were fighting each other. You know, my Sigismund with his weapon skill seven fighting, you're just there and terminate his weapon skill six. Or, you know, Sigismund was hitting more. You were struggling to to hit Sigismund back unless you stabbed him in the back, of course. Um <laughs> I really like that. I really like that. Um, I mean, characters with multiple weapons as well. You really had to think about what weapon you use. So Horus, for an example, he's got the World Breaker Mace, which, in, in, say in 40k, well, that's the obvious choice. It's strength 10. It does multiple damage. You bash them around the head. But actually, if you use the, the talent of Horus, yeah, you lower strength, but you're hitting earlier and you've got shreds so you can reroll your wounds. It looks like, on, certainly on most of the stuff that we fought with, both options are good, but there might be situations where one's better than the other. And a lot of it, it could be down to, I mean, on paper, there wasn't a lot between the mace and the talon. But actually, playing through the game, striking early and killing something before it strikes you, is sometimes worth losing that extra strength. Yeah. So yeah, it was it was it was really really fun. Um, challenges have changed a little bit. So pr- previously you could game it a little bit by by calling a challenge, and the the rest of the squad is basically stood there because they can't hit the lone challenger, and that never really felt right. That I mean maybe some honourable armies would stand by and watch the fight, but certainly some underhanded armies wouldn't just stand there while the two characters fight each other. We had a suitably cinematic moment where Sigismund comes up, points at Abaddon and challenges him to an honourable duel. Abaddon just shoves just there and grunt number one out, who, safe to say, got obliterated by Sigismund. Sigismund then glances behind him to see Abaddon plunge his sword through his chest, slaying the noble Imperial Fist. <laughs> That's epic. It's, it's it, it, I'm not proud, and it was a dirty, underhanded trick, but I could absolutely see that happening in the law. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, well, I made I made the mistake there of charging in Sigismund without a unit next to him, uh, which, which like you say, opened up that that um, that rule there where you're allowed to strike him. Was it called, is it called outside assistance or something like yeah, that? Yeah, so, so basically, if... In the past, only challengers can fight each other, and generally that's true most of the time. However, if a if a model hasn't fought yet, and there's no other valid targets for them, and again, this comes into the order because a fast model might be able to kill the kind of chaff unit, freeing up your power fist to then hit the character. Um, yeah, if there's no other valid targets, they can then do the dishonourable thing and start kicking the guy who's fighting the character, which is really, really cool. And again, and opens up a load of tactical options for you. Um, what I will say, both of us, I think, in our reviews mentioned that there's an awful lot of, of keywords and universal special rules and things to remember. 
by the second game, a lot of that we just remembered. Yeah, I think that's fair. Yeah, the second game went a lot lot quicker, I think, than the first one. Um, I, I think it took a couple of turns to to learn them, but then because of the way they've built it, so you've got multiple things with the breaching rule, multiple things with the brutal rule, you'll start to learn what they do, especially since they've in the old system you know bulky very bulky extremely bulky it was different rules doing the same thing where now a lot of them is keyword then a number it does make it a lot quicker to play through and it will take a couple of games maybe to learn everything that your army does and i do think it's worth having a cheat sheet but in practice it wasn't quite as cumbersome as i feared in the initial review that we wrote no i agree so yes, yeah, so that was that was really cool. Um, so yeah, any, anything else that you kind of like encountered during the game that you thought was particularly interesting or different? Did it feel terribly different to the original edition of Heresy? Um, it's been a while since I've played the sort of 7.5 edition of 40k. Um, the strength, toughness, weapon skill charts. Obviously, if you've only been playing Warhammer 40k, 8th edition, 9th edition, Age of Sigma. They'll be sort of new to you or if you've not used them for a long time. Um, I don't know if there were many changes on them from previous editions. I think there may have been. I think they have two plus now. Smaller shifts in strength and toughness and smaller shifts in weapon skill have a bigger difference now. 40k players will be surprised when something's wounding on a two rather than a three because things are either a lot more brutal or in the other extreme... If something's slightly higher than you, it becomes a lot harder to hit or kill them. Yeah. Um, I think one of the things I really liked were Dreadnoughts. Oh, Dreadnoughts, yes. So Dreadnoughts now don't have an armor value like they used to, so you're not rolling it, penetrating hits against them, things like that. They have a toughness and a wound. They have a 2-plus armor save, and they have a 5-plus atomantic deflector and vulnerable save. It makes them solid. I think both of our Dreadnoughts were like stomping across the battlefield, tanking shots, getting into combat. And then when they do get into combat, they've got some really, really cool rules. Um, the main one being, I think one of my favourites, is the Brutal rule. So this is a brutal. new Yeah, this is a new rule. And, and um, the, the Dreadnoughts have it on their Gravis Power Fists. Um, I believe, um, you know, some Primark weapons have Brutal and things like this. It's, it's quite a strong rule. Um, and basically what it does is um, if you get hit by a weapon with the brutal rule, uh, you take a number of wounds equal to the brutal value. So a brutal free Gravis Power Fist, for example, when it wounds you, it's actually done three wounds to you and you have to take yeah. three individual saves against it. Now, what's, um, what's, what's noted about that? They they don't spill over. So each model would take three wounds from that. So if you got a single wound through that three wounds couldn't kill three Marines, it can kill a maximum of one. However, it comes into its own when you're fighting Terminators, Primarchs, characters, because they are going to get absolutely battered by that uh, brutal triggering. Yeah, and that's exactly what we saw. I think there was one part of the game where, and this was really cool, so Matt had moved some uh, units up, I think, to to come at me later on in his turn. I countered by um, charging in my Dreadnought using the Imperial Fist's uh, advanced reaction, only for Matt to... To later on in turn charge in with his dreadnought, and dreadnoughts are really really tough. They can take so much punishment from from anti tank weaponry, from infantry, 
They're not so tough against other Dreadnoughts, though, which is no. where that brutal rule really comes in, because Dreadnoughts just punch lumps out of each other. Yeah, I mean, my, mine was on its last legs by the time you'd punched me, and luckily I just managed to kill you. But, yeah, I, I can see Dreadnought armies being terrifying. Yeah. Um, You know, for the price of a Primarch, send a couple of Dreadnoughts at him. That'll deal with it. Yeah, I think so. I think so. Um, And... Speaking of Primarchs, they, they, they were powerful, but not, like, game-ruining. Um, no, so one thing, my experience with the previous version of the game is that Primarchs are a bit, um, you know, you get a Primarch, you want to see a Primarch fight a Primarch, but they just stand there for the whole game, hitting each other. Um, and they do seem to, you know, just based on the stat line, and they're just, you know, superior fighters to most of the other things in the game. So a Primarch walks into a unit, they're probably going to beat the unit but that wasn't necessarily the case. I, I think the Primarch on Primarch duels didn't last that long, so you were able to use your Primarchs in different ways. Um, and like, yeah, I think you're right. I, I think the Dreadnoughts were a much more threatening thing on the board than the mm. Primarch itself. Um, but what I do like about the Primarchs is that they, obviously the Warlord traits and the Force Multiplying effects are really, really cool. The way they in, interact with the rest of your army is very good. So obviously Dawn was buffing the leadership of a lot of my units. He was granting that um, wound bonus to the combat resolution as well, which was ha- helping helping combats that Dawn wasn't even involved in. Um, and the Primarchs themselves on the Primarchs, I think it's probably fair to say that they seem a lot more balanced against each other now, whereas they I do. think in the previous version of the game, some of the Primarchs, especially those that came later on, a few exceptions, Horus probably being an exception, the, 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 the later Primarchs were much stronger than the earlier Primarchs, where, I mean, we saw Dawn go toe-to-toe with Horus twice. Well, once, yeah. wasn't it? And then, and then in the second one, there was a bit of a standoff, wasn't there? <laughs> Yeah, and that's the thing. You, you quick, we quickly learn, and you don't want to fight the Primarch on their own terms. I didn't fight Dawn the second time because if I charged, I'd end up being disordered. I, I was trying to kind of tease a charge out of you, which you nearly did, and then backed off. And again, <laughs> that plays into the kind of mind games element where if if a Primarch fights on their own terms, they're going to win. If yeah. even a strong Primarch like Horus goes up against Dawn on Dawn's terms, Dawn has got a very good chance of winning the fight, which is great. That's how it should be. Yeah, definitely, yeah. So, yeah, no, I, I, I thoroughly enjoyed it. Um, I Criticisms, we've got a lot of um, Universal Special Rules split between the, the Libra book and the Core Rule book. Again, as you start to learn them, that's less of an issue. But certainly in your first few games, there will be a lot of flicking through both books trying to find things. Um, yeah, I recommend a cheat sheet. Make a cheat sheet for sure. Yeah. Um, the Your armies, if I'm being honest, have a couple of games with what you've already got. And then you'll probably want to write a different list tailored to the second edition of the game and i don't mean you're gonna have to go out and buy an entirely new army but things that may have not been so important before you're actually more likely to take into the list i'm not going to do the details because it's probably a bit of a, a spoiler for our top three which i imagine mine and yours joe will be quite similar based on our experiences <laughs> of playing the game um because you know initially it's like yeah add some titans and some big tanks and stuff and you'd be surprised what what my go-to choices are going to be when I start writing a heresy list. Um, yeah, it was, it was, it was really, really fun. What I did enjoy was in the past, we, we played um, some big games when uh, Inferno came out, the, the siege of Prospero 
supplements. Yeah. And games of heresy took a long time over a lot of turns, and there's a lot of faffing around until the action kicks off. Um, really, in the new edition of Heresy, on average, most games were really done by turn four. Turn one, Good. you're getting into position. Turn two, you're mostly in combat. Turn three, that combat's resolved. And turn four is where, really, you're taking the objectives and winning the game. Now, in, in theory, the game can go on till turn seven. But I think I think it's safe to say, Jay, within those first four turns, the game's decided, isn't it? It is, yeah. And you think, oh, well, that's not that's not as much of a game, only four turns. But you've got to imagine, you're basically getting eight turns because of the reaction mechanics. Exactly, yeah. And that, that's the key thing. You know, uh, with a reaction, you could get a free movement phase. You could get a free shooting phase. And you, you're not as careless in your own turn as well. You quickly only do what needs to be done. There were situations where both of us didn't shoot with the unit because we didn't want to draw out the return fire (laughs) where before a random throwaway shot it might make a difference it might not but with the fact that you're not doing that shooting at all actually moves the game on because the stuff where you're faffing around if it doesn't really matter you don't do it because it could be a disadvantage to you doing it yeah so yeah i um I, i thoroughly enjoyed it i I'm looking forward to the other Libra books coming out. At the minute, it's it's Space Marines versus Space Marines, so it's as as balanced as it's going to get. Um, Absolutely. When the other factions are in there, then obviously list building is going to change as well. If you know demons become popular or or solar auxilia, there's different go-to weapons. Like las cannons are, are really really powerful, but if there's no vehicles in your opponent's list, they're actually really ineffective. You know, yeah. shoot, shoot a dreadnought, right? Cool, it's got five wounds left. Even things like land speeders are amazing now as a quick unit that can soak a bit of firepower. Um, one thing that we haven't touched on really is scoring. So, line, we've said last week and on the reviews, line is one of the most important things in the game, but being able to counter objectives is really important as well you've got to have a different mindset we we had to double check the rules mid-game because we're like well, hang on it's just one model from an opposing unit just shuts off the objective but it does because i guess in a real fight yeah you've got a guy holding the objective but if there's a guy nearby trying to shoot you your mind's not in the game is it you're trying to deal with them first yeah, yeah. got better things on your mind yeah exactly yeah so so having units that you can throw on a, an objective just to hold it up a turn so your opponent isn't scoring is really important. We found in the second game that any vehicle can never deny an objective. So you can't just throw a rhino forward to try and take an objective. It doesn't count. However, stuff like um, fast infantry units, uh, outriders, I think would be a good choice. Um, stuff that can disrupt the opponent in those early turns giving your line units chance to get into place and it again it feels like i don't want to say a video game but kind of where you you you, you've got a mental map of where all your pieces need to be in the right time and that makes for a really exciting game and i imagine in tournaments jay there's going to be a lot of things to kind of remember as you're moving through each phase yeah i think so yeah but I just like that. I like, I like, it, it feels, I don't know, much more of a strategic game than some of the other systems, I think. And not yeah. as punishing as well. I think your units can take a bit of punishment, you know, whereas the, 
I don't know whether the alpha strike is going to be a thing anymore. No, because well, the, equi- the equivalent with my sons of Horus, and they did an awful lot of damage on the turn that they came down. However, your scraps of force that's on the battlefield at the start of the game, you know, you you basically eliminated my line units that were already deployed, so I had to go fully into that aggressive alpha strike and take your objectives off you. But once they've lost the momentum of that initial charge, you were then able to just hold on to yours and and win through war of attrition. Yeah. And yeah, I think it's you you could deploy in such a way where you force a bottleneck for your opponent to deep strike into and then just surround them and take them out that way. There's some super clever stuff you can do. You could maybe react to their deep strike and and draw yourself into a better position that way. It's it's going to take a couple of games to get people to get their heads around it, but I think we're going to see some really really exciting games of heresy. Yeah, I, I think, can't wait to see what the other legions do as well. You know. Hmm. Yeah, I think they've really nailed it with heresy. You know, it's it's we've complained before, like the old kill team when it feels too much like 40k heresy. Although it's kept some of the 40k mechanics it's very much its own system like all the stuff you were talking about then all those reactions and things that's that's really intriguing i mean obviously it's stuff to remember but you've not got to mess around with stratagems and stuff it all it it sounds very cool yeah i mean one of my bugbears about 40k is remembering all those stratagems and and sometimes winning or losing a game can be down to remembering the right combo stratagems at the right time and i also think oh sorry sorry sorry, jay yeah there go I was going to say, I think also on 40k, there's so many strategies which you just never use. Yeah. They're just bloats. Yeah, having just those six core stratagems and then um, your, your, your army specific one, they can only do once per game as well. So you can't just like spam the really good one. Uh, and there could be situations where you never use it because you've got this game of cat and mouse between you. Yeah. I, just, just the fear that it could be used is enough to put your opponent off. Exactly, and that's sometimes its only job. And I think the rule book mentions that there'll be other kind of universal ones in future supplements and stuff. And I think that's really where what I'm excited for, seeing where we go from here. So Zone Mortalis, City Fight, all those things that I talked about in the core rule book as being different modes of playing. Uh, I mean, yeah. we haven't even seen what's coming out from a from a campaign point of view. Imagine being able to play through the. The, the entirety of the Horus Heresy campaign with books focusing on different systems and conflicts with, you know, unique stratagems and force org charts and units. That is what really excites me, because while it, I think it will play really well as a competitive game, I think it's going to be really, really coming to its own when you start playing through those narrative battles and chaining things together. And like they do with the Middle Earth books, I hope we see a, you know, Eidolon's wounded in the first game, so he gets some negative effect in the second game. Stuff yeah. like that will really make you know the game amazing. Yeah, yeah, I'm really looking forward to playing my first game. I think um, what we should also say at this point, maybe I should have said at the beginning, was you guys were playing over basically a heresy board, isn't it? Um, at, at Warhammer World, and it absolutely seeing the images of your two armies on that battlefield. It, it it looks amazing. It looks so good. We um we, we we did have a constant stream of people admiring the board because it, and and playing it as well. It one of the things I don't like about 40k and AOS is 
the conga lines, which they've, they've solved to a certain point of view, but we still kind of see it. It doesn't look like two armies facing off against each you other. You lose the immersion, don't you? Yeah, but that, that game of Heresy, it could have easily been one of the display boards upstairs in the museum, couldn't it? Yeah, it was ace, like, you know, Imperial Fist, Man in the Wall, Sons of Horus, deep striking in between them, charging over the ramparts. Very cool. Yeah, it was fun. It was really, really fun. So, yeah, if you've got the chance, I believe Warhammer Stores have got the Age of Darkness box in now and no doubt are doing demo games. Um, if you're ever up near Warhammer World, give us a shout. I'll happily give you a game, too. I'm eager to play some more Heresy. Uh, and for everyone else, it's only, what, Saturday the box comes out? Yeah. So, yeah, you'll be able to play games of your own soon. Excellent. Well, I hope everybody enjoyed that uh, look. I think that was a, a you know really nice way of uh, chatting about the rules, guys. You know, talking through what you came across in the the game it felt like really immersive to listen to. Felt like I was there. <laughs> um, so yeah, Dark Angels uh, better get there, Dave. They better oh, get they, there. It didn't they, feel like they were there when the Justarian were chopping up the Templar, brethren. <laughs> they they're on the way, Jake. They're on the way. They'll they'll be painted and ready for war soon. Uh, we are going to actually keep with the heresy theme uh, into our next segment. We've got our top three that's coming up next. So, uh, yeah, be right back. So for this week's top three, we're going to be talking about units we'd like to add to our heresy armies. Um, so quite a straightforward one. Uh, and I'm going to start us off this week. So I'm collecting Dark Angels. Um, I've already got a list in mind uh, of what I'm after, but of the models that I want to add next, here's what I want to start with. So for my third choice, I really want to add a Sakarian um, tank to to what I've, um, I've I've got at the moment. The main reason being, I've always loved this look of this tank um it's one of the best i think on forge world and that goes for any of its weapon loadouts i mean i'll probably go in plasma because that's mega variant is it yeah um because that that is just so dark angels but absolutely can't wait to add one of those um to my army um my second choice is i look at kind of my my list of stuff that i've i've got uh, and what I'm really looking forward to adding is a bit of speed. So you guys have obviously mentioned like deep striking and stuff, but I'm thinking quite a few Raven wing bikes um, using like oh, the black okay. knights and using the plasma guns and stuff. I think oh, yeah. it'll give um, a different dimension to my army. I mean, I think it will help with my right of war, which um, is very much like, you know, destroy your opponent and get them out of their own deployment zone. And I think a big unit of bikes swooping round for like you might decide to keep stuff in the back of your deployment zone to get those extra victory points that I'm, you know, could be gifting you if I don't remove you from your own deployment zone. The Ravenwing can sweep in and try and clear those up um, yeah. to make sure that doesn't happen. And from, um, a, from, so- a, from a from a model point of view as well, specifically for your Dark Angels, I think those what are they called the the they're just Ravenwing bikers that kit. Yeah. So in in 40k the 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 Black Knights, but it's the alternative build for the um, Ravenwing Knights, which are, are basically just your old bikes with plasma guns on the front. Well, I I think actually your Black Knights breathe the ghost too there, Dave. So basically, an Outrider squad you can take three to ten models, mm-hmm. and in that you can have a Legion Vexilla, which is a banner bearer. Oh, you've got a banner bearer within that squad. You've got a Nucio Vox. You can use one of the upgraded models to represent that. Mm. All of the bikes can be armed with twin-linked plasma guns. I believe that box can do that outloading too. 
Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, you can give the the sergeant a power fist. You can, there's there's all sorts of cool stuff that you can do that I believe you can do with that box. I think that'd look really really good for your army. Yeah, absolutely. So I'm looking forward to adding some of those. But the unit that I'm most looking forward to adding at some point are the Deathwing companions. Oh yeah. For for two reasons. One, because they look flipping epic. Uh, but also, I mean, the lion needs some homeboys to be around him to to keep him a little bit protected. I think what better unit than those companions? Um, they are a little bit pricey for what they are, um, but they are very detailed. Um, and I think they would be an absolute joy to paint. And I think they'd be really good on the tabletop as well. So absolutely cannot wait to add a unit of those to my uh, to my Dark Angels. Uh, Matt, what about you? What are you looking forward to adding to your heresy armies? So I was I was hoping this list would be like, yeah, all the tanks and all the dreadnoughts and all the plasma and all the laser cannons and stuff. But I've actually got quite a conservative list here that um, <laughs> isn't too over the top and, and based on some of the stuff that we've got. So my third choice is heavy support squads with augury scanners. Twofold this. Um, I've seen, I mean, I was on the, on the, on the, the dealing end of it yeah but i certainly wouldn't want to be on the receiving end of a uh, a load of sons of horus teleporting nearby me so i think always... any other any other legion uh the, obviously the imperfects are quite n- noted for their defensive capabilities any other legion i think would have been crumbled by that attack yeah so i don't want that coming against me an always kind of basically gives you an 18 inch bubble where people just cannot deep strike so you've got a few of these squads dotted around um, and they can't go down. And the model's really cool as well. The kind of um, the Mark Six rocket launcher guys. He's kind of like dropped his rocket down, and he's checking his little readout on his scanner. So that's really really cool. Um, they can also do. I think it's called interceptor. Another special reaction where they get to shoot against anything that's come in from deep strike as well. Now these guys on with rocket launchers. Rocket launchers used to be the kind of no one used to take them in heresy because they're a bit rubbish. You've got so much versatility with them. I mean, crack missiles, strength eight, AP three. A squad of ten can just delete a squad of tactical marines. Yeah, you it's, get access to all of the ammo types now. The frag crack and I can't remember what the other one is. The sky flak against the uh, yeah, anti-air one. Uh, so yeah, so they're really really good. And um, I'm working on some Empress children. So you know, the sun killers, ten guys with las cannons and augury scanner. Come at me, bro, and I'll shoot you with me las cannons. Yeah. <laughs> Even like Terminator units are going to be quite scared of that. So, yes, yeah, so that's the first thing I want to add. The second thing I want to add is some some transport. So, maneuvering and getting in position and making sure you've got a good turn one to get where you need to, to get your units up on objectives, I think is going to be really, really important in this game. So, the humble rhino, I forget, it's about 35 points for a basic rhino. Points, yeah is such a good upgrade for your tactical squads to jump in, weather a bit of fire and get where they need to be. Um, You can also do clever things like leave the rhino in a defensive position to force your opponent to come round it if you want to charge it. You know, a little bit of a a shield wall against some of those aggressive close combat units is quite handy. The old um, Tau used to do it with their uh, flyers, didn't they? And just get them in the way to stop any charges, that kind of thing. So, yeah, I think the Humble Rhino will be a really good buy for any Space Marine army. But number one, my number one choice, and I can't believe I'm saying this because there's all sorts of cool, wacky weaponry. Um, the squad of Tactical Marines, more Tactical Marines. Um, 
you have 20 of them sat on an objective. They get a wound shrug near the objective. The line, so you're scoring for the objective. You've got Fury of the Legion. So if they've not ran um, during the movement phase, then they get an extra shot when they fire, if they move or run. So if they just stationary, they get an extra shot. If they're making a reaction, they haven't moved during the movement or, or, or you know, movement phase. So 20 guys doing a return fire are getting a lot of shots, an absolutely mm. insane amount of shots. And for any wounds that do go through on them, they're getting a wound shrug as well. That wound shrug, the Heart of the Legion wound shrug, it stacks. So if you've got an apothecary in there, it's an even better wound shrug. It's so, so good. And honestly, going forward, I think as many tactical marines I can have are going to be the backbone of my army. 100 points for 10 guys, bargain. Best heresy purchase. Excellent. Um, Jay, what about yourself? So my, uh, it's very, very similar. So my third choice was a tactical squad for all the reasons Matt's just spoken about. And actually, um, I think they're so cheap. 100 points for 10, 200 points for 20 of them. Less than 200 um, points for 20. I think they're, you get a discount, don't you, oh, on the yeah, bigger squad? Right. Yeah, I think you're right. Um, and they're so versatile. You can equip them, all their bolters, with uh, chain bayonets or regular bayonets. So they're not too shabby on the charge or taking, you know, taking a charge. Um and it's that that heart of the legion and line just makes them so effective in the game. I think, um, you know, a, a rapid firing forty bolt shots from a unit of twenty, more of the fury of the legion, I guess. Mm. Um, it's scary in the reaction phase, so you're almost putting down a sort of Overwatch sort of area onto the battlefield where, like you say, you're daring an opponent to move within that. 24-inch bubble around your tactical squad. You know, you, you've got that zone control that it's projecting. Um, so, yeah, tactical squads for all the reasons Matt mentioned. Uh, my second choice is also the heavy weapon support squad. So I overlooked these. I've always overlooked these. Um, but I want a heavy support squad in the army now. Um, specifically, I want an Imperial Fist heavy support squad because I want to take it with an Imperial Fist consul, the Centaurian, who... It's like a heavy weapons specialist and he can join a heavy weapon support squad and give them line. So Ooh. not only if you've got a cool heavy weapons specialist in a squad, that squad sitting on your objective with line, it, it's doing double work for you. It's scoring your backfield objectives for you. And it, and it, you know, it's putting that long range firepower down the battlefield. Like you say, put an augury scanner in there and you, you know, you can shoot, you're shooting anyone who's deep striking in. It, it's a, it's a bigger threat on there than the Primarch standing on the wall. It's, it's a lot of points. I mean, what would you arm them with, Jay? Bolters, heavy bolters, I guess, for the So for the Imperial Fist. Fist. Ah, well, I'm thinking autocannons for my Imperial Fist. Oh, nice. Because they get the plus one to hit with autocannons. Autocannons, I think, oh, where's my book? Let me double check the rules now. I believe autocannons are strength seven, which means they're quite good against Dreadnoughts, especially Ooh, yeah. when they get, especially when they get, and we're just flicking to the, uh, the page here with the... Um, with the, the 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 weapons on, so we've got here we've got auto cannons. They're heavy two, rending six plus, forty eight inch range. They're only AP four, but a squad of ten are firing twenty strength seven shots down the board. With any sixes to wound, counting as an AP two auto wound. Any brave strength sevens two plus against space marines as well. Two plus this against is... space marines, yeah. Um, so yeah, so I'm thinking a unit, a heavy support squad full of auto cannons. Um. I mean, the other option for the Imperial Fist as well is the uh, is all the um, 
auto, uh, the, the rotor cannons and the um, Iliastus assault cannon, which is like the prototype assault cannon. And this brings me on to my number one choice, Matt, for what I want to include in the army. And it's units that can inflict pinning. So hmm. I've mentioned then the rotor cannons and the assault cannons. They can inflict pinning. There's other things that can inflict pinning as well. Uh, barrage type weapons, artillery, that sort of thing can inflict pinning. And the reason why I think pinning is going to be such a powerful tool in a in your army is that it it turns off reactions. You know, if you've got to land some, you know, Matt has to land those just there in right in front of my lines, but he knows I've got augury scanners. He's not been able to get rid of those augury scanners. If he can pin those units, he's safe to bring those mm. those terminators down. Um, you know, you want to move a unit across the board, but you know that Space Wolves player has not used his reaction yet. And he's got a unit of Wolfguard terminators there that are, that, that are just itching to, to, to charge in your movement phase. But you've got to get onto that objective. Pin them. Pin them, and then you can safely move your unit in. I mean, that, that sort of strategic sort of play that you can look at, it's so cool, isn't it? It is. Well, I mean, on a related note, obviously, we've been talking about the Sons of Horus, I think, need some tweaking to make them tournament. I think for narrative play, great, but in a tournament, I think they're a bit too focused on that deep strike. Now, my Empress Children, if I take the third company, who are the raving lunatic ones, they can take Cacophony as troops. Cacophony are armed with the Cacophony, which I don't think you've even read these stats here, Jay. You may like fall off your chair here. Range 36 inches, strength 6, AP 5. Okay, they're strong, but they're not getting through armour. Assault 3, pinning, shell shock, deflagrate. Oh, wow. They also get hot, so any ones are causing damage to myself, but they don't care. They love that. But imagine a couple of squads of them as my troops' choices, just pinning things before everything else goes in. I think they're going to be pretty tasty. Yeah, definitely. Excellent. Uh, some really good choices. I think I really need to get a gaming down I to, to know what I really need to add. But um, yeah, some great shouts from both of you there. Right. That brings us to the final section of this week's podcast. It is the community top three picks. And it's coming up next. So, Matt, what do we have from the community on Twitter? Well, G Ambulance Service says, as a way of giving three answers in one, I'm currently building a 10-man assault squad out of a Sons of Horus Reaver squad, Empress Children Palatine Blades, and various other 30k kits. They'll look really nice. The Reavers, I used them the other day, and they're quite um, nice. I forget what mark armor they've got, but early mark, close combat. Give them some of the kind of blades and spears from the Palatine Blades. They'll look really cool. Uh, Him over there says... uh, a Thunderhawk, why not aim big? Exactly. Uh, a plasma support squad to go in a new plastic rhino, hoping to have them done ready for the rhino release week. Nice. And a Kratos, just look at it. It's the beautiful love child of a Sakaran and a Fellblade. Pete Allison says a Spartan, a Demos rhino, bracket S, I guess he's going to buy a load of them, and a Leviathan Dreadnought. Uh, Claude Savagely says, for my Blood Angels, they want more Assault Marines, Chapter Master Rauderon, and a, Volk- uh, a Contemptor with double Volkite. Nice. Ooh, nice. Uh, Amun Ra says, for an all-new Blood Angels force. There seems to be a lot of Blood Angels love uh, on Twitter today. <laughs> uh, I'm good, planning good. a Leviathan, a Plasma Daedaro, and a big unit of Grenade Launcher Angels Tears. Mm. And, uh, yeah, that is 
That is some some love for the Blood Angels on, uh, well, on the, Twitter today. The, the Angels tiers are very good actually in the new rules because um, their um, their signature weapon is the um, the Angels tier grenade launcher, which is like a rad grenade launcher. So it lacks the AP free of the rad missile launcher, but it is assault free rather than blast, um, which means that it's much more accurate. Um, mm. But what the Blood Angel can also take is the Iliastus Assault Cannon or Rotor Cannons. Now, the Iliastus Assault Cannon is very, very nice, especially on a unit that comes in as part of a Deep Strike Assault. Poof, so it's landing right in front of the lines. That won't trigger any movement-based reactions because it's not classed as a move when you're deploying from reserves, unless you're coming in from the board edge. So they land pretty safe. The only reaction they can, they can trigger is the Interceptor reaction. So you have to watch out for that. But otherwise, you're on the board. Then you're going to start thinking, well, we're going to start shooting. We're going to start charging. That will start drawing out the opponent reactions. You know, if you're shooting, the opponent's going to be shooting you back. When you get to the assault phase, which is what the phase the Blood Angels are looking forward to, you may have taken a bit of damage from some some reacting fire. The A, a big unit of um, Angels tiers with their rotor cannons and Iliastus assault cannons can pin those units for you after they've arrived in Deep Strike, which means then your Dawnbreakers, Sanguinius can go in and not have to worry about things like um, evade or uh, overwatch or mm. um, um, some of the uh, legion specific um, reactions which like counter i think the emperor's children are a good one where they can they can charge you charge, yeah. exactly yeah so so that's where i think the angels tears are going to come down it's like a vanguard unit at the head of the blood angels deep strike assault that's 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 what i think anyway based on our experiences with the game so far that's cool. Well, well, thank you for your responses over on Twitter. And next time, let's have some more Horses of Horus fans uh, replying. <laughs> uh, what do we have for next week's top three, Matt? So we've we've had a couple of weeks of Horus Heresy love, and I thought we've got new battle terms on the way. So let's go for a break in the mortal realms. And you know, it's summer. Lots of people going away on holiday. So I want to know your top three holiday destinations in the mortal realms. I hear the realm of beasts is very nice at this time of year. It is, it is. <laughs> you can get your top three picks in uh, via our social media. We will be putting a tweet and a message out on Facebook shortly before the next next podcast recording, so you can always reply to that. That brings this week's episode to a close. Um, oh, oh, thanks, as always, for everybody to... Li- our thanks, as always, to everybody for listening. Um, I hope you've enjoyed the uh, the heresy content for the next couple of weeks. Um, and, yeah, look forward to maybe talking a bit about the Immortal Realms next week. Uh, until then, have a great week of hobby, and we'll speak to you all again very soon. Bye. 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 Thanks for listening to the Sprues and Brews podcast. For more content, remember to check out spruesandbrews.com, and if you'd like to get in touch with us, Send us a tweet at Spruce and Brews or head over to facebook.com forward slash Spruce and Brews. <laughs>